Good evening. It strikes me that uh, stretching out is uh, an appropriate title for a talk shortly after Christmas. I think it's been more my waistline that has been uh, stretching out over the last couple of days. Maybe I'm not alone in that. Excellent. Well, as it's been said, um, this whole verse really from Isaiah is... um, it's really key for us as a church, isn't it? This whole idea that the Lord has brought back about extending the place of our dwelling. Is it all right just to put the um, PowerPoint up, if that's okay? It should be on there. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. And what I, what I want to do uh, tonight is really look at this first. Look a bit at the context it was spoken into... And just out of it, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about I want to talk about hope, and I want to talk about restoration and playing our part in God's kingdom. In other words, being part of the restoration of the rebuilding of the world we live in. And it strikes me that uh, this whole analogy is is a nomadic one, isn't it? You know, uh, the patriots of Israel were were nomads. They, uh, they wandered around. They didn't have a fixed residency. They lived in tents. And in the kingdom, as the people of God, we are called to be people on the move. We can't stay still. We can't stay where we are. It's always been that way with God's people. And it's that way in the kingdom. And this passage was spoken not to a people who were in a place they wanted to be. It was spoken to a people who were in exile. They were taken from their land. People spoke a different language around them. They were forced to be there against their will. And they were there because of their disobedience. And sure enough, they felt abandoned by God. The analogy of a barren woman is used. In one sense, they have no spiritual offspring. Their sons and their daughters in this foreign land were exposed to idols, to foreign gods. They didn't even speak Hebrew, some of them. In the ancient world, it was shameful not to bear children. Seen in many ways as as something of a curse. That God had not blessed you in that way. And to feel like that was to feel that God was against them, that God had forgotten them and abandoned them. In verse 4, Israel is likened to a wife abandoned by her husband. And in that situation, any woman would have been fearful in that world for the future, in a world with no social security. She would have no husband to provide for her, and no offspring to take care of her in her old age. In the analogy, the husband is God. Israel is the wife. Israel has been unfaithful and now they're bearing the consequences of their infidelity, the exile, separation from God and as I say, seeing their sons and their daughters not growing up in the faith that has been passed down to them, exposed to idol worship. But in their captivity... In the place they don't want to be, God comes. And he comes with a promise of restoration through the prophet Isaiah. And perhaps in different ways, we can all relate to the analogy of exile, of captivity. That feeling of abandonment. Perhaps 
<clears throat> you're here tonight and you've lost that sense of the presence of God in your life. Or perhaps you've never really known that sense of the presence of God and the love of God in your own life. Perhaps you're wondering, God, where are you in my present situation? Where are you in what I'm going through? Where are you in my pain? Where are you in my despair? Maybe you feel as though you've not, you've not flourished, you've not prospered, that God has, has not blessed you. Perhaps you're scared of the future, what it may hold. Perhaps 2013 is a scary prospect. And the more you look at the news, it doesn't really help really, does it? But God's promise to us is the same as it was to Israel. It's a promise of restoration of our lives. And by restoration, I mean that God wants to bring healing and wholeness to us as his people. He wants to restore shalom in our lives. Shalom being the Hebrew word for peace, but it's much more than that. Shalom is God's total well-being in every era of our lives. Peace in all, blessing in all. He wants to turn our mourning into dancing. He wants to give us cause for celebration. Isaiah tells the Israelites, doesn't he, not to be afraid, not to be ashamed, and to sing songs of joy because their maker and their husband is Yahweh, God Almighty. And he will redeem them. He will buy them back. He will bring them out of captivity. He will restore them to their home. They're not abandoned anymore. They won't be barren anymore. Their shame will pass. They will return to their own land and fortune will be restored to them and they will be able to flourish once again. Do you know, I don't know if you've ever noticed this through reading of scripture and observing God at work in people's lives, but he's very good at flipping people's situations. Is he not? He absolutely is. Throughout the Bible, we see God do it time and time again. How many of us are familiar with the story of Joseph? Just goes from bad to worse, doesn't it? Brothers want to kill him. In the end, they end up uh, selling him to the Midianites. He ends up a, a slave in Egypt, falsely accused of attempted rape, imprisoned and left to rot can't get much lower than that can it but yet he goes from that low place to being the prime minister of Egypt the second most powerful person in the country Pharaoh. God loves to do it God loves to turn situations that whole thing at the end of the story of Joseph what was meant for harm the Lord used for good do you know the ultimate reversal in a way as well isn't it is, is the death of Christ what looked like a defeat, the Messiah crucified, actually turned out to be the ultimate victory over sin, death, and the devil. Death wasn't the end for Jesus, and for us who put our hope in him, it's certainly not for us as well. Do you know, whatever we're going through, however this year has been, or the last few years, whatever hand life has dealt us, God can flip it. God can turn our situation Whatever we're going through, whatever those around us who we love are going through and suffering with, there's hope, there's restoration for us and for them. We just have to let God in. You know, he won't force his way into our situations, but we, we have to be open 
for having him come in. We have to be available. See, I love that passage in Revelation 3, 20. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Often used for evangelistic services, but actually it's for Christians. God knocks on the door of our hearts. He wants to come in. He wants to come into those deep places and he wants us to know him. He wants us to know his presence. He wants us to have that intimacy with him. He wants to come in. He wants to restore us. He wants to make us a new creation. We've got to let him in. God's word is medicine as well. Just thinking about the story of Joseph uh, earlier on and uh, do you know... Just the naming of his kids brings me to tears almost. Let me just read this bit for you from uh, uh, verse 41, 51 to 52. Seems to have jumped around. Here we go. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. What a picture of restoration. What a picture of healing. And as we read the stories in the Bible and we identify with people's stories, and we begin to take on that hope and that truth that actually God can do that in our lives. You know that's healing for us. And uh, maybe if you're going for a hard time, the first point to really take away tonight is get into the word. It's medicine. Get to know the Lord. Get to know his ways. You know, lap this stuff up because it makes a difference. It is healing for us. God is the same today as he was yesterday and he's always going to be that way. Do you know, in our reading tonight, in verse 10, it just talks about the love of God. This is, this is the promise to them. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. My covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Do you know, in the ancient world, there was nothing more fixed, more permanent, more durable than the mountains. You didn't have dynamite back then. But yet God's love, God's love will outlast them. And that's the same for us. You know, God's love is eternal, it's unshakable, whatever you can think of that you see as being durable and outlasting, God's love will outlast that. That is the extent of God's love for us. And even in the midst of difficult situations or that sense of captivity, that sense of abandonment, know that God loves you and he is just an arm's length away and he really wants you to know his love. As much as you may want to know that now, he wants you to know it more. Do you know, one of the things about us being restored and healed by the Lord is actually we're restored to play our part in the kingdom. The kingdom being God's rule and God's reign. You know, the kingdom's not fully here yet. We look around our world, we see the mess, we see the brokenness that there is. But Jesus, he came to initiate, to inaugurate a kingdom that will outlast this world. A kingdom that ushers in that new age. Life by life, God is turning the world around. He is changing people. He is bringing people to faith. He is healing. He is restoring. The kingdom, it destroys, it reverses the damage done in our world and God calls us to be part of ushering in the kingdom our job as the church as the people of God is to carry on the ministry of Jesus of destroying the works of the evil one 
of seeing God's kingdom come and restore and rebuild broken lives. And God takes hold of people like you and me, people who make mistakes, people who are not fully sorted, who are not fully healed, and he uses us to be part of restoring this world. He uses us to be part of bringing the kingdom about, of being part of the most transformative thing ever. And as the people of God, notice, we are not called to be spectators. Do you know, in church, we shouldn't like it to being on the terraces at a football game or a rugby game. God wants us all to be players on the pitch. We're all going to have different rows. But he all wants us to get involved. We all have a part to play. Do you know, we all have a God-given purpose and destiny. It's no accident, it's no coincidence that you're alive now at the time you're alive and you live here in the place you live now God has preordained it and God has a purpose for you God has a destiny for you even if you don't feel like God could use you even if you feel inadequate not good enough not qualified enough not skilled enough not knowledgeable enough not educated enough know this the Lord calls you he has a plan and a purpose for you do you know later on in um, Isaiah, as, it move, as the story moves on a few chapters later, the prophecy to this people in captivity <clears throat> is that they will be the ones who will restore Israel. And your ancient ruins will be rebuilt. This is uh, chapter 28, verse 12. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairers of breach, the restorers of streets to dwell in. If you turn back from your foot from the Sabbath, from doing uh, your pleasure on my holy day. And it sort of goes on a bit about honoring God and living right for him and being repentant. But in other words, that people who are enslaved, that people who were captive, Actually, they were the people who God was going to use to restore Israel, to rebuild the ancient ruins. Similarly, as the church, you know, as broken people, as people who have either experienced a sense of captivity and brokenness, who are currently going through something, God is going to use us to be the ones who bring about hope and transformation to our world. Amen? Do you know, what we go through in life, God so often uses, as he did with Joseph, He used it. He turned the situation around. Do you know, I think about my own testimony and my own story and just kind of think, actually, because I've experienced what it's like to be in darkness, because I've experienced what it's like to be separated from God, actually, I know what it's like to go from light to darkness and that can bring hope to other people and God can use me to just share something of my simple story and maybe just inspire faith and hope in others, or the hardship or the difficulties I've been through. You know, God can use that to help people going through similar situations. And that's the same for for all of us. Actually, what we're going through, it's not in vain. And the Lord so often uses it. He redeems it for his glory. And this is what God says to the people in Isaiah, verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent, Stretch out your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. That picture of the extension of the tent is for extension of the family. In anticipation of the sons and daughters they're going to gain, they are called to extend the tent, to put in thicker pegs that can hold the weight of the tent. Similarly, as the people of God and as a church, at this time, we're lengthening our tent. 
in anticipation of the sons and the daughters that God is going to bring into this family of faith here in church, here in St. Michael's in Stoke Gifford. God is doing something. We're responding to that. Our call as the redeemed people is to play our part and we have an amazing opportunity corporately to do that for the heart of the community project. And as I said earlier, as the people of God, we can't stand still. That's not an option to us. Corporately, we cannot do it. We have to move. We have to be on the move because God's kingdom is on the move. It's always advancing. And we need to move where we see God moving. And God has led us, primarily actually through this verse, he has led us to be uh, branching out in this way, to be taking risks, to following him, to do what we see him doing And as a church, do you know, it's not an option for us to resist what the Lord is doing. It's not an option for us to stay still. Because if we do stay still, actually, we we miss out on what God is doing. We shut the door of the kingdom in other people's faces. And consequently, we ourselves don't enter the kingdom. The kingdom is about giving away. As As we give it away, we get more. But the minute we try and hold on to it for ourselves, the minute we become a club where we just want to preserve ourselves and what we've got here, do you know we lose it, what we've got? We lose the kingdom. But the minute we're pushing out, the minute we're expanding, the minute we're giving away what we've got, then God blesses us with more of the kingdom. And we need to follow him where he's going. I think the worst thing for us as a church would be to lose that sense of the presence of God. And to be unproductive at bringing home, reproducing spiritual sons and daughters, bringing people to faith in Jesus, and to be barren like Israel was whilst they're in captivity. The presence of God and human flourishing are linked. Yeah, another thing about the promise, and another parallel to draw out really from, from this verse is that you know the promise doesn't come to a people who have got it all together who are sorted it comes to as I say a people in captivity and a people who actually probably don't feel equipped for the new challenges they're facing and quite often when God calls us to step out and to branch out we don't feel in a place where we're adequate where we're worthy that we've got enough experience under our belt but we don't need to fear because something from this passage to take away is that God is with us you know we do not need to fear what he calls us to, or the enormity of it. Do you know, it's not past success that secures future success as the people of God. God calls the inadequate because he is adequate, because he's enough. And that way, so often it's God who gets the glory, isn't it? When he calls a people who can do it by themselves, just need to look at the disciples, fishermen, fishermen who turned the Roman world upside down for Jesus. Verse 5 brings out that whole thing that we're in a covenant with God. In our reading, a covenant of peace, he calls that later on in verse 10. And as the people of God, we're in a covenant, we're in a binding relationship with God. And he says in that relationship that that we're his people and that he is our God and that means that he will uphold his end of the bargain if we uphold our end of the bargain by being obedient to what God is doing not by being superstars not by being 
uh, super spiritual, but actually just by obedience to God, he will be in our corner. He will follow through. He will give us the grace to empower us. But it's important that we fulfill our end of the bargain, that we are faithful in what God calls us to do, that we are a people, even despite our brokenness, who are still pushing out and advancing the kingdom. Do you know, I think in the kingdom we're called to plod on. I think so often people who succeeded in kingdom are people who persevere. Someone put it very well. Here's a poet. Who ain't going to believe this? But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day. was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you've got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. Rocky Balboa said it really articulately, really well. But he he knows a thing or two about perseverance. He knows a thing or two about plodding on in the face of adversity. He knows a thing or two about being knocked around by life, but yet keep plodding on. And uh, do you know, that's, that's life in the kingdom so often. Yeah, we see great advances, we see God do great stuff, but actually we need to persevere. We need to keep going forward. And do you know, even if we still feel as though we're in captivity, even if we still feel though we're in pain, that doesn't exclude us from being used by God, from going forward. That's the tension we live in as Christians and we need to hold on to God who is faithful and continue to to persevere with him that hope of restoration as we go along we'll encounter it we'll feel it he'll heal us up we may not get fully healed this side of heaven often we don't but yet we can persevere and we need to persevere and we need not to shrink back and our challenge this year corporately and individually is to keep stretching out is to keep going for it. And we need to believe what God says about us and who we are. That's a great analogy, that whole thing of Rocky saying to his son, you've forgotten who you are. So often the church doesn't realize who they are. 
We don't realize our identity in God. Do you know, despite our, the rubbish in our lives, despite our brokenness, do you know, we are God's chosen instruments and we are the ones who are going to bring about change and transformation in this area and beyond, despite our brokenness. And God can use us in our brokenness. Our hope is for restoration. Our hope is for healing. But it's also that we will bring healing and be instruments of change and transformation for many others as well. I want to ask you a question. Do you want to recommit to that kingdom call tonight? Do you want to keep going forward with the Lord? Do you want to be part of stretching out the tent pegs in this area and belong in anticipation anticipation of those who are going to come and join us because the world needs Jesus the world needs a saviour and for some reason he's chosen us to make him known why don't we stand up going to invite the Holy Spirit and let's just wait and just see what the Lord wants to do. I just think he wants to do some deep stuff in us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We welcome you. We say, come Holy Spirit. Release your presence. Release your kingdom in our midst. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.